Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise. Et ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Tuesday, February 20th. Good Tuesday night, everyone. Hope you're doing well. You're watching on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and tell your friends to subscribe. It is absolutely free. And of course, we have an appointment uh, every um, we have an appointment every um, weeknight at 10 p.m. right here talking Montreal Canadiens hockey. The Canadians had practice earlier today. And uh, it was an off day for Cole Caulfield, a therapy day for him after being off with Nick Suzuki and Uri Slavkowski. Yesterday, the Canadians uh, once again practice, and the Canadians are going to be back at it tomorrow night when they host the Buffalo Sabres. The following night, they are going to visit the Penguins in Pittsburgh, and then a couple of days after that, they're going to play the New Jersey Devils on Saturday in Jersey. All right, so it's going to be busy three or four days for the Montreal Canadiens. The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, by La Bitta TV, and by Playground. Without further ado, it's going to be an abbreviated show tonight, folks. A uh, little less time than usual for work-related reasons, but let's get to it. We're going to go with the whole quality over quantity tonight, and I'm sure we're going to be able to do it with TSN Hockey Analyst and Director of Scouting, Craig Button. How are you? I am good. I, I hope I can live up to the quality part. We all know that I can uh, use a lot of quantity with respect to words, but we'll try to make it all about quality, Tony. I'm sure it always is uh, with you, Craig. Don't worry about that. All right, okay. Uh, players from Switzerland who took part in the Quebec Pee Wee tournament were taking in practice earlier today, and they walked out with their eyes big, wide open, and it's something that they're probably never going to forget. Craig, do you have a um, uh, Quebec Pee Wee hockey tournament story by chance? Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't. Uh, you know, uh, didn't participate in the Pee Wee tournament in, uh, in Quebec City. And, and you know, it's interesting with the, with the new designations, U10, U12, U14, U16, it will always be known as the International Peewee Tournament. You, you can never call it the International U-12 Tournament. It's a Peewee Tournament. It's, that's what yeah. it's known as. That's what it'll always be known as. But 
it's a fan. I've, you know, I've, I've gone up there and attended games at the, at the tournament. It's, it's a fantastic atmosphere. The Pee Wee tournament is, is a bucket list tournament. It's a bucket list tournament. If you want to go and watch fantastic hockey and see an element of hockey that is not commonplace anywhere in the world, like TV pucking in, in, in Sweden is yeah. U14. Pee Wee. We know the brick tournament at Edmonton is U10. So you want to go see Pee Wee, you know, 11 and 12 year old kids. It's, it, it's phenomenal in Quebec City. Craig, I'm going to get right to it. My buddy Mario gave me a call and he said, when's the next time you're talking to Craig Button? He gave me a call yesterday. I said, I'm going to talk to him tomorrow. He says, okay. He says, I want you to ask him a question. I said, sure, Mario, I'll do so. And he said, you guys have talked about Jake Allen in the past. He said, Tony, he said, we know what Kent Hughes is thinking. Um, Kent Hughes wants to trade one of his goalies. Chances are he wants to trade Jake Allen, who's older than Caden Primo and makes a lot more money than Caden Primo, has already reached his ceiling and is on the downward spiral of his career, and Caden Primo is nowhere near his ceiling yet. We'll see what happens. He said, and they went with the three-goalie system, and Jake Allen hasn't played a lot. And when he has played, it seems like he's been giving up at least three goals every game for the longest time now. And he said he's having the statistically the worst season of his career. So his trade value has gone way down from where it probably was earlier on in the season. If it was high, because who knows, he was still under contract this year and next year. He says, and Kent Hughes has gone on record as saying that he wouldn't send Jake Allen to Laval. He said, but can you ask Craig... Is there any way that Kent can have a conversation with Jake and just say to him, Jake, we went with the three goalie system. We're at a certain point in our rebuild that having a player under contract and making a lot of money is probably not the best thing for us. It's not fair to you that you're not playing a lot. Um, let's try and make a positive out of a negative. If you go down to Laval and that team gets in the playoffs and you play some big games and it'll make for a lot of good experiences for the other players. Would you be willing to do that? So even though Kent Hughes said he wouldn't send them to Laval, Mario wants to send them to Laval. Can, can Kent Hughes go back on something he said and do it? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, Jeff Gordon said that, you know, he wouldn't fire Dominic Ducharme. He'd finish the season. And a month later, Dominic Ducharme was fired. So tackle the situation for me. Mario wants to know. Okay, so for Mario, Kent Hughes has really established what I would call a really good uh, collaborative relationship with his coaching staff and by extension, you know, working with the players to, to help them understand what it means for development, what they're trying to do with their team. Kent's done it with the media. So when Kent says that uh, he's not going to send Jake Allen to the, to, to Laval, I, I think he understands better than anybody that – you know, fans and, and people might be saying, hey, listen, you know what? This will be better for the organization. A lot of good points just made. You know, go down there, go and play, find your game, help other players go through a positive experience. But Kent feels that's not what Jake Allen uh, is best for Jake Allen. And, and Kent spends a lot of time with the players, spends a lot of time trying to ensure that he understands what's best for them and, and, and what their priorities are, and, and that he explains to the players what's best uh, for the team. And, you know, we, we, we can look at it from different ways, but Kent is establishing himself a, a, as a manager and as a leader that's going to 
not just do something because he can, but do something because it serves the interest of everybody involved. And Jake Allen has won a Stanley Cup. Early on in the season, he was a big reason why the, the Canadians were winning because he, he his numbers were good. Yes, they've fallen off. I, I think the solution here now is to try to work with Jake Allen and his representatives to find a place that could be a fit for Jake Allen outside of the Montreal Canadiens organization. And you, you don't want to start, you know, putting a player of, of his personality, of his quality, and I'm talking about Jake Allen, because what message are you sending to other players? Well, I know you said you weren't going to send me here. I know you talked to me, but now you changed your mind. I, the reason Dominic Ducharme was let go was because Jeff Gordon had no choice. The spirit of the team was gone. The, the, yeah. the ghosts of the former Montreal Canadiens teams didn't even want to be around the team with Dominic coaching. So Jeff was left with no choice because Dominic couldn't get the team to a place, even just with the way they played and, and, and the spirit of playing into a spot. If, if Jake Allen is, is, is a solid person, which he is, and a solid player practicing and committing to being the best he can, he hasn't changed the equation for, for Kent Hughes. And therefore, I don't think Kent Hughes should change the equation here. Okay, got it. Uh, all right, okay. Josh Anderson, when the Canadians are, because they're in a rebuild, a lot of people are looking at contracts and saying, okay, uh, you know, you have to shed money. So then they start looking at Gallagher, who's after this year has three more years at 6.5. But a lot of Canadians fans believe that, unfortunately, that contract is not movable, tradable, unless the Canadians would get a very, very high contract a player in a similar situation back in return. Josh Anderson. So the onus is on him, not having a very good season. There's been ups and downs. There's been a lot more downs than there has been ups. So earlier today, he was asked about it, and he's like, I got to find a way to be able to help this team. Unfortunately, it's not helping. It's not happening from a, a production standpoint. So how can he help this team? What would be your conversation with Josh Anderson? You know, it's a, I think that those trades, if they could happen, specifically for Josh Anderson, are off-season trades. You know, the cap is going to go up. A team not only has to fit him in this year on the cap, and, you know, depending on where he went, could that happen? Yeah. But I think that these types of trades are best made in the off-season. Everybody knows what the cap is going to be. Other teams are trying to make maneuvers uh, with their rosters. And so th that's where opportunity – I think that's where the best opportunities arise for Kent Hughes. So that aside, I think Josh Anderson is at his very best when he plays the game in straight lines. And when he's when he's he's an excellent skater, he's got size, he's got weight to his game. But I, I think Josh runs into problems when he tries to handle the puck. There's players that overhandle the puck. His problem happens when he handles the puck. Get the puck off your stick. Get the puck to players that are really good handling the puck. Shoot the puck if you don't have a play to make. Dump it in if you don't, and then go and grind. Grind to the neck, grind to the corners, chase down your rebounds. I think his biggest problem, and this is what I would try to impress upon Josh, stop handling the puck. It's not a strength of yours. Don't try to get into an area that limits you. I, and, and when he starts handling the puck, now picture this. He's coming mm -hmm. down. He doesn't have good hands. He doesn't have good puck handling hand, skills. So now he starts handling the puck. Defensemen just go like this. They just take their stick and they just go, off your stick. 
So now his skating isn't a factor. His size isn't a factor. His competitive, he's a competitor. His competitive spirit isn't a factor because he, he gets himself doing things that aren't to his strengths. That's what I'd be telling Josh Anderson. And you know, Tony, I said this early in the year when he was scoreless, when he was goalless. Stop handling the puck. He made a great play. I want to say, I don't know if it was San Jose or uh, I think it was San Jose. He came in, made a great play, power move, leaned in, cut. And then he wants to handle the puck and try to make a, a real fancy move in tight. Just shoot the puck. Shoot the puck. Your game is not stick handling. It's below average NHL standard. Because of the way Marty St. Louis wants to play and because some of the more skilled players on the Montreal Canadiens want to play, Suzuki Caulfield of this world, and now Slavkovsky. I know you said shoot the puck, and I know you said you are a straight-line guy. Don't stick-handle the puck. But that's not Marty St. Louis' style. Marty St. Louis doesn't want a team that plays north-south. I'm sure when it's asked for, because as Marty says take what the game gives to you, but he likes players that play East-West. He likes players that explore their imagination. So can it ever work? Ever? Well, what I would say is it's great when you, if you had a team full of players that can handle the puck and play East-West and be creative. Good luck with that. You better come to the acceptance that you know, this is the style of game we, that, that I prefer. This is what I would like to see everybody be able to do. You better get to reality and understand that not all players can do that. Good coaches can adapt. In, in football, do, do you pass every down because you have a throwing quarterback? No, because your quarterback will get killed. Your offensive line, do you run every play? No, you don't. You got to use your receivers. You got to use your running back. Sometimes you got to use your fullback to catch balls. Sometimes you got to throw a screen. Sometimes you go downhill. If you start just getting in love with your philosophy and thinking that's the only way you can do things, you're not going to be as good a coach as you can be. And there's lots of different ways to be successful. It would be great if there was only one way to be successful. And I use football as an example. Hockey's the same way. I call it the puck possession conundrum. There are times having the puck on your stick is disadvantageous to the team. There are times you have to get the puck off your stick, and even though you want to hold on to the puck, there's times where you got to say, I got to give it up. I got to play for another day. It's like a quarterback in the pocket. You think quarterbacks want to throw incomplete passes? You think they want to throw the ball away? There's times when you have to throw the ball away. It's the same thing in hockey. And so coaches have to learn that. Marty has to learn that. And so you're not asking, you're not going to ask Cole Caulfield to go play the way Josh Anderson plays. And you better not ask Josh Anderson to play the way Cole Caulfield plays. All right. Okay. So because they're in a rebuild and because he makes $5.5 million this year and for the next three years, and because his production has gone down considerably, 32 points a year ago, 32 points the year before that. Once again, he used to be a 27 goal scorer with Columbus back in 2018, 2019. So that's five years ago. But this season, 15 points in 51 games. The minus 21 after being minus eight a year ago. At this point, is there anything like, 
I think it's safe to say he is who he is, and he's not going to change. But can there still be another team in the National Hockey League who will look at this guy and say, bad team, in a rebuild, he could be the guy who scored 27 goals five years ago for Columbus because he's still young enough to do it. And I think a change of scenery will do him well. He's 29 years old. He's a big boy. We can use him for the next three, four years in the playoffs if you're another team. Do you think at least one other team is thinking that? Or is this a contract that the Canadians are just going to have to be resigned to and say, you know what, he'll be here for the next three years? No, I don't. I don't think you have to become resigned to anything. I don't think you have to come resigned to uh, to Josh Anderson having another season like this. Uh, you know, it's been a season that hasn't gone Josh's way offensively. Earlier, early in the year when he was when he was goalless, when he had scored, you're watching him. You're going, oh, come on! Like you got to get a goal somehow, some way. Because he he was doing a lot of good things. You know, he just wasn't scoring. Again, trying to help a player understand. And, and play to a strength is one part of it. Understanding, and, and teams are always evaluating, is there value in a player that hasn't performed to the level? Does that player bring certain qualities that we could benefit from, that we lack? And and and, and that, that those evaluations are always ongoing, Tony. So I would never say that there's not teams interested. The challenge in, 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 the, in, in, in the league is now you have – Young, you have to look at rosters, not just with expiring contracts, but you have to also look at rosters with young players where players are moving either from their entry-level contracts into that second contract or they're moving off a bridge into what is a long-term contract. So you're not just saying, oh, well, we got $5 million because we got this much money coming off of UFAs. You have to also look at what their salary structure might look like with their younger players. So, th so, so that creates challenges in adding a player at $5.5 million for three more seasons onto your cap. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't prohibit you from doing it depending on where you're at, but those are considerations that become into Bob Ganey made this comment many, many years ago. He said, in the NHL, these are all really good players. They've all got here for different reasons and because they have different skills. He goes, in his view, there's there's not and, – and, and understand this is a, a, like a, a bigger picture thing. He goes, we hear a lot about bad players. He goes, more the case is bad contracts. That's yeah. That's that's a good one. It's 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 very simple, eh? We hear a lot about pl bad players, but there's more of a case of bad contracts than bad players. All right, okay. Um, a year ago, Yuri Slavkowski was an 18-year-old rookie playing with the Montreal Canadiens, um, who played 39 games, had four goals, six assists, ten points, was a minus 13. Was a player that a lot of people looked at and said, ah. Too much too soon for him in the National Hockey League at age 18. Maybe he should have stayed. Maybe he should have stayed in uh, in Finland. Maybe he should have. Um, uh, uh, he should have. Uh, pardon me. Maybe he should have stayed in Slovakia. Maybe he should have. Um, hold on a second. Maybe he should have stayed he in was, Finland. Yes, he was playing. He was playing with TPS Turku. He was playing in TPS Turku. Maybe he should have gone to Laval. Yada yada yada. One year later. He's taken huge steps 
55 games, 12 goals, 18 assists, 30 points. There's not one direct line to development. People have stronger ideas. I, for one, for one, and I'm not going to shy away from this, felt that it would have been better for Yuri Slavkovsky to be in Finland last year, developing his offensive game. I never thought the American Hockey League was the best place for him. And even at that, starting him in the NHL, fine, I understood. I thought they should have let him go to the World Junior Tournament, compete against his own age group, try to get a, a different type of experience, uh, you know, w- w- with a group of players that have really been instrumental in helping Slovakia take steps forward in their international program at, at the U20 level. So those things didn't happen. I thought they would benefit him. And we can see where Yuri Slavkovsky is today. And this is the analogy I use. It's great for Yuri Slavkovsky. The Montreal Canadiens, you know, had, had an idea of what they wanted to do. But if I take somebody that's never swam and lacks St. Louis, and I stick that person in the middle of lacks St. Louis and say, okay, now learn how to swim, and if you don't learn how to swim, you're going to drown. Well, you might have to tread water for a little bit. And that's what, that, that's what Uri Slavkovsky did last year. He was treading water. And then he was learning how to swim in the National Hockey League, and he, and he got to shore. So does he get a swimming badge because he he learned how to tread water and learn on his own? I'm not giving the Montreal Canadiens like like this whole great development credit because what I will say, and I will say very clearly, the NHL has failed more players than players have failed on their own. Uri Slavkovsky got there. I know Montreal had a plan, but they're not getting all the credit here. <laughs> so the credit is he's getting a lot of the credit. He deserves a lot of the credit. I'm not saying Montreal doesn't deserve credit, but let's not listen. I don't believe in that development model that they used. I don't believe in it. That's my statement. And like I said, just because you found a way to tread water in the middle of Slack St. Louis and you got to shore doesn't mean you learned how to swim because of them teaching how to swim. All right. I think we have uh, Marty St. Louis on Slaff being hard on himself. Is the game on the stick? I know I'm not blaming, you know, just what does it say about his own expectations of himself that he's yeah. fuming after the game when he has the, the game on his stick three times in the last? He's hungry. There were three good shots. Hit the net on all of them. He squeezed the first one. I think it's shoulder blocker, the second one. Third one, I mean, Carlson, I think it's Carlson that came out. Um, I know that the, the cage, the net looks empty. But it's not really when there's body in front, and um, you know. But I'm not surprised that he's emotional after the game. You know, he's hungry and uh, he wants to be the difference. The reason I ask is that he's he was always hard on himself when things were maybe not going well. Maybe that was a negative. When things are actually are going well the way they are now, is that is that almost become a positive that he's that his expectations for himself are so high? Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, driven players like that, they always want more. You know, they're hungry for more. They're not content. They're not complacent. And it's a big reason why he's, you know, he's reached where he's at right now, I feel, in a short amount of time. All right, so we'll get that clip, by the way, about Slavkovsky game versus the Capitals in about a minute. He had three shots where he thought he had three chances to score, didn't score any. 
And uh, there was one where he thought he had an empty net and John Carlson's in front of him and he's able to block it. And Slavkovsky, not a happy guy, turns over, slams his stick on the boards. And after the game, we'll get the clip uh, in about 30 seconds here and we'll bring it up. And you'll hear him. He was very disappointed, very down on himself. But your thoughts on what you just heard Marty St. Louis say? Well, Marty St. Louis was talking about Slavkovsky, but he was talking about himself. Marty St. Louis was wired for excellence. And when you score three goals, it's just what you expected to do. When you don't, you're, you're, you're determined. He used words like competitive, not being complacent, determined. That's what you want in your players. That's what Marty St. Louis yeah. was. That's what he is now as a coach. What he is talking about is not only himself, but something that is, that, that is so highly respected in other players. And Slavkovsky has that. All right, okay. Now we have Slavkovsky. It's right now, but yeah, tomorrow it's next day, and yeah, I just work on it again, and I'm sure that it start it will start going in when when we need it in situation like, for example, like this. So I, I want to be the difference maker, like many guys on this team, and yeah, I believe it will start working. Were you happy with your game tonight, just personally? Yeah, I mean, good game, but we didn't get the point, so doesn't really matter. Do you think? Uh, a few minutes ago, do you think you would have ripped three shots at the end of the game that way? Probably not, but yeah, I mean, that's, of course, that's a big step, but it doesn't matter for me. I I'm, has to go in, so even if I didn't three months ago and I did today, yeah, has to go in, doesn't matter. You think that not going in, that's something you could have done differently, or is it just the goalie making a save? was the guy in front of the net, not the goalie, but yeah, maybe I could have shot it next to him. You should have seen the, uh, we have the audio. You should have you should have seen the video. He was like he was he was really down. He was really and you know what? It's look, it's not too many people think they're gonna make the playoffs. I mean, I think it's safe to say that they're not. And you know, his demeanor was that of someone who lost the playoff game. And who was it? Was so Grant McCag had a good point last week. He brought it to my attention. He said when Slavkowski scored uh a goal to make it four two. Last week, they were trailing. He makes it 4-2. After he scores, he goes to the bench. There's no smile on his face. Like, there's no smile on his face whatsoever. Very disappointed. And you can tell the way he talks and the way he acts. And very team guy, eh? Very team guy. Always has been. And I don't think there's any question that he always will be. And and he's driven, as Marty St. Louis talked about. He... He, he's he's focused on being the better. We talked about him working with a shooting coach, and, and there's so many things that happen. You come in the league at 18, you know, and, and the Montreal Canadiens, you know, again, they had a plan with his development. They were patient with it, even through some of the stumbles. And I, I, I can disagree with the path and everything, but Montreal believed in it. And, and I know back to what you asked about with Kent Hughes and Jake Allen, you know, the communication is ongoing with Uri. It's hard when a player is the drafted first overall and the expectations outside of the organization might be a lot more demanding than what they are inside the organization, what, what they're watching for, you know, from terms of development, how he handles different things. So th that all becomes really instrumental in those communications, I think, with URI. And, and like I said, there's, there's not one right way to do things. And just because it's not the way I would do it doesn't mean it, you, you're, you're not going to go down that path. Lots of teams have gone down that path. But 
I think with Uri, I mean, he even, even his answer there, yeah, I probably should have shot it past him or inside of him. <laughs> like, you know, he's thinking, he's thinking about it, like in terms of, okay, what could have I done differently? What could have I done in that spot that would have got me a goal? You, you know, what you want players to be able to do is think, is to be able to think about situations. What could have I done there? What could have I done here? What what do I need to do better? What do I not need to do? That's part of development and growth. And when you when you watch them on the ice, when you hear them off the ice, I think there's all kinds of evidence of the determination, competitive spirit, and the the level of 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 understanding that Uri has and, and where he wants to go. That should come as a no surprise to anybody. Marty St. Louis asked about Slavkovsky's game. Mention of that. How how did you find the rest of his game tonight? It was good. I mean, I felt as a group, our execution was so so. Intentions were there. Um you know, but uh, I mean, I felt like in the third period he was very dominant, you know, and when the game's on the line, and that's what you want from your, from your top players. All right, there you have it. Um, so, you know, you said something. It's it's funny because I have a buddy, he, and he thinks exactly like you, right? Um, we talk soccer every day. And we talk about development, right? Or, or we talk about players. And, you know, a lot of people talk to him about development and he kind of dismisses it. And he says, look, for me, he says the development is because there's a place where the players can play. So that can serve as development. He says, but ultimately it comes down to the player. And he believes that most of the development is a player that's doing it. And he says that's why you have the same structure for everybody, but there's some that are able to take their game to another level and succeed, and there's some that aren't. So he says, well, if the development was great, it should be bulletproof for everybody. And so he believes that most of development is actually a player the player deserves credit for. So you kind of sounded like my buddy there a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, well, I mean, if he's a buddy of yours, and, and uh, you know, tell him not to sound like me. I should probably sound like him. Think about teachers. You know, we've all been in the classroom trying to learn a subject matter that might have been a little bit hard, right? And and a teacher would try to guide us and would try to show us. And we might get a tutor. But ultimately, if we didn't put the work in and, and, and we didn't, l- 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 like, try to understand what we didn't understand and then to, to understand it better, we weren't going to go any further. You weren't going to learn the subject matter. I don't care how great the teacher was. You had to have that in place. So... I, I agree with your buddy there that, you know, they're like, I, it would be great that there's, okay, show them this or show them that, or this is the way to do it or solve it this way. Every There's different methods, but I think development all in all comes down to, you know, you, you, you having some direction and you having some idea of, of what we're trying to do here. And then that person applying it. I, I wanted to go on the entire show and uh, we'll break away in about uh, seven or eight minutes here. But I wanted to go on the entire show without talking about Trevor Zegers. But I just I feel like I have to. So let me tell you why. This looks this seems like a good group of guys and a good group of players with the Canadians. Um, once again, they're in a rebuild. They know it. They'll fall short of making the playoffs. But Suzuki smiling again. Caulfield smiling. Slavkowski smiling. There are 
other guys who are having bad individual seasons who are obviously smiling a little bit less. But, you know, you don't hear any bad stories. The group is pretty united. They stick up for each other. Um, everyone talks about how great a locker room it is. And when we talk about Zegras, there's this narrative out there about Zegras, right? I know you've heard it a million times, right? It's the same things we heard about Phil Kessel. And it's the same things we've heard about Jack Eichel. And it's the same things we've heard about other players. Um, but it's also the same narrative that we heard about Drouin and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And unfortunately, Drouin and Pierre-Luc Dubois turned out to be those players that a lot of people had concerns about. One of the reasons why there's a, a sector of the fan base that's worried about Zegris is they're worried that a guy like Zegris with everything they hear, individual, selfish, showboat, maybe not the most likable guy in his locker room, they're worried that, that he takes that, he brings it into the Canadian's locker room, and it all falls apart. Can you give me a comment on that? Yeah, I mean... Somebody's going to have to give me something substantive on Trevor Zegers. I know Trevor Zegers. I've watched Trevor Zegers for a long time. And if somebody wants to start assailing his character, put your name to it. And don't tell me what you heard. Tell me, because again, I knew Jack Eichel for a long time. There was never anything wrong with Jack Eichel. You know what was wrong with Jack Eichel? The Buffalo Sabres were what was wrong. You know what's wrong right now in Anaheim? Is that they're not winning. They're not having a whole lot of fun in there. Trevor Zegers had 65 points last year on the worst team in the National Hockey League. The worst team in the National Hockey League. What happens if we start talking about the draft? Montreal Canadiens might be able to get Trevor Zegers. And now a narrative, a narrative starts. That's how you want to get that. That's where it goes. Tell me what you don't like the way that he celebrates. I watched Ty Domi ride his stick down the ice. I watched Timo Solani shoot his glove in the air. What in terms of Trevor Zegers? You know, are people trying to suggest? Because I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen it. And listen, they have Carlson, they have McTavish, they just traded for Cutter Gauthier. At the end of the day, you look at it, maybe it's just a, a question of surplus, and they're looking to move players in, in, to try to strengthen in other areas. But I'll be straightforward with you, Tony. Yeah. The, the BS narratives, I don't buy into it. Put your name yeah, to it. Don't things. tell me. Okay. I don't want to hear about I heard. I heard this Ryan O'Reilly. They couldn't wait to trade him because he said, "I don't like losing." Oh, he went and won in Buffalo. He won in St. Louis. He won in St. Louis. You know, Matthew Kachuk held out right before the first game of the season after his entry level contract. He he did exactly the same. Trevor Zegers did exactly or similar thing to Matthew Kachuk. Why wasn't there any any criticism of Matthew Kachuk? Yeah. Well, besides the narrative, one of the things you'll hear is, you know, no one will look at the 61 and 65 points in the last couple of years. They'll look at the seven points in 20 games this year and say, well, he's on pace. Yeah, for hurt right off the bat. Yeah. And you know how you get, you know how you get really talented players is when they're underperforming. Joe Thornton got traded. He won the Hart Trophy that year. Like, just go back and look at the number of players that got traded. Just go back and look at the number of Timo Solani got traded. Why did they trade Timo Solani? I'm going to bet because his performance was a little bit down. Players, good players, great players get traded. Great players get traded. Adam Oates got traded a couple of times. So, again, you can bring up Jonathan Drouin left his team. He had given you evidence that maybe there was some problems with the attitude and, and, and Jonathan's thing, right? And certainly Trevor Zegers hasn't left the team. 
All Trevor Zegers has done is perform. Jonathan Druett didn't even perform in Tampa Bay very well. You're going to say that about Trevor Zegers? It's all the BS narratives. I got no time for them. I think he had 53 or 54 points. All right, okay. So uh, last one. Right now what we're witnessing with the Canadians is Caulfield, Suzuki was the top dog in the last couple of years, best player on the team, probably still is. I would say he is. Caulfield starts scoring goals at an incredible rate that if he's healthy, he's close to 50. You know, 26 goals in 46 games or whatever it was. So he wants the top dog status. Slavkovsky comes in this year, former first pick overall. And, uh, you know, I want to be the difference maker. I want to be the guy to score goals. I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy. He wants to be top dog. And if you acquire Trevor Zegras and he has that attitude that he wants to be the top dog, is it bad to have too many guys that want to be the top dog? Well, I don't know if a lot of Montreal Canadian fans know this, but back in the 70s, and, uh, you know, Sam Pollock had all those top dogs, and, and he thought there was too many. He, he, he felt there was too much Savard, too much LaPointe, too much Robinson, too much Mahovlich, too much Shot, too much LeFleur. He really couldn't trade those guys because everybody thought that they were selfish and only cared about themselves. Give me pretty a break. Good players, pretty good yeah. team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't want top dogs, yeah. I'll tell you what Scotty Bowman said. Talent and skill is a really hard thing to acquire in this league. Don't give it away. <laughs> Craig, uh, so much fun. Thanks so much for doing this again. Very much appreciated. And I look forward to talking to you again uh, next week. Thanks so much. Oh, yeah. Always, I look forward to talking to you every week. It's always a fun time. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. There you have it, Craig Button. Marinero, uh, it's a shortened edition uh, tonight of the Sick Podcast. What I can tell you is uh, I will be back, of course, tomorrow night after the Canadians and the Sabres. And I'm going to tell you right now, our guest, hold on. I'm going to tell you who our guest is. Also, Thursday night, they're in Pittsburgh. Our guest that guest has already been lined up as well. So if you want to find out who the guests are on Wednesday and Thursday, stick around because I want to talk to you about our partners and our sponsors, Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. I also want to talk to you about Labitta TV, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. Labitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. Labitta TV, embrace your true nature and... I want to talk to you about Playground. Discover a world of luxury at Playground. Explore their new 30,000-square-foot expansion with thrilling games, gourmet dining, and live entertainment located just over the Mercier Bridge. Only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. Playground experience the strip without the trip. If you like tonight, if you like the show tonight, like it, uh, comment sick, S-I-C-K, share it with your friends. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tell your friends to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You really want us to be very appreciative of what you can do for us. Why don't you do this? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Reviews. It really is our way of feeling the love. So I will tell you this. Tomorrow night, our guest, they call him the snake. I call him Userpent. Simo the snake Boisvert. And on Thursday night, former Pittsburgh Penguin himself, Philip Boucher will join us as well right here on the Sick Podcast. For Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana at Master Control, Thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks, everyone, for listening. They're Cavallaro. I'm Marinaro. 
And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.